0: Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellersley Mission Society. This message by Pastor Eric Ludi is entitled, The Way to the Father. God is in the business of redeeming humanity from the really bad news of eternal separation from Him because of our intrinsic sinfulness. And the way He accomplishes this is by making available to us the avenue of reunification with Him. And what exactly is that avenue? Well, Jesus said it very plainly, I am Please, we'd love for you to contact us at www.ellersley.com. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludi.
1: Well, this is a very intimate and dear message, and how this is put together. And I think, you know, we just finished a girls' conference last night, and technically we could call this part of the conference. But this is an echo from last night. And what we're, we talked about last night, reckoning with truth, is something that I want you to realize. We reckon with truth daily. We grab a hold of the truth of the gospel of the kingdom daily. We ratify these realities in our soul daily. And you could say it, moment by moment, we stand on rock and we will not be moved. And when the enemy pushes against us, you know what we respond with? We respond with the word of God, with the word of truth. We tell the enemy what our God has spoken. And our enemy has to heed that. This is a sword that we bear. So, the name of the message is the way to the Father. Not a very exciting name, but a very, very important concept. One of the other, I almost call it the way to the Father's house. And you'll understand why as we go through this. But I didn't want to bring confusion. You see... We understand that Jesus is the way. And most of us that have hung around Christianity at all, do you know that Christianity in its beginnings was called the way? It's actually what it was called. It was this sect known as the way. And it's Christianity. It was called the way. Well, that's the equivalent of saying Jesus. He is the way. And so what I want to walk through is the way. But it's not just a way to anything, to your pleasures, to your ends. What do you desire? Jesus is the way to it. No, that's actually not true. Jesus is the way to the Father's house. You see, there's only one place that you can find life. There's only one place that you can find salvation. There's only one place that you can find hope, peace, life, love, Everything that you are built for, and that's in Jesus, through Jesus, and in the Father's house. You see, we must get to the Father's house, and if we don't, we are separated. It's like the equivalent of the ark. You need to get in that ark to get to the new land. Jesus is the ark, and he carries us into that life abundant. That life abundant is found in the treasure chest, which I always picture just sort of seated before the Father. You get to the Father, into that throne room of grace, into the Holy of Holies, that we are called to boldly enter. And in there is all the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. Everything that has been purchased on that cross, the Father says, it's my pleasure to give it to you. How in the world are you going to get there? Because the Father's house has a certain requirement to it. You call it perfection, spotlessness, an unblemished life, if you've done even the smallest thing wrong, out. You're not allowed in. You know, it's a pretty steep uh, code of conduct for the Father's house. You see, the Father is holy. Call him Holy Father. You ever notice that the spirit that the Father gives is the Holy Spirit? Well, the code of conduct and the code of behavior within this house is Holiness. So we may not like holiness in our modern culture, our modern Christian culture, like holiness. That's legalism. Well, holiness is God. Holy, holy, holy. So if you don't like holiness, you're not going to like God. Because he's the trifold holy. He is holiness. He's the enunciation of it. The thing that you probably don't like is when people try and be holy in their own strength. It's pathetic. We're not holy. So when we try and mimic holiness, it's just a joke. There's only one who is holy. And the secret to holiness is that one being imparted to us. This is often said here at Ellerslie, the secret to imitation is impartation. If you're going to imitate the God Most High, His holiness, His purity, His perfection, you need God Most High dwelling within you, overtaking this body, and then showcasing in and through this body His life. We get out of the way so that He can be seen. We need to get to the Father there's only one way to get to the Father, and that's Jesus. So let's walk through that. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. A little key line there that we'll come back to. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says unto him, Lord, uh, we know not whither thou goes, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Now that line at the very end, most of us that are Christians are very familiar with it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay, now what I want to do is I want to trim it down so we can focus on a very specific thing today. Jesus saith, I am the way. The way of all the earth. We're going to talk about some different ways. There's this term that's used in the Bible, the way of all the earth. That means to die. Everyone, there's a way that this earth functions. There's a way of natural things. You're born, you die. Sort of a sad commentary, but that's the way it is. And if you're going the way of all the earth, guess what? There's just a a way you go. You pop out of a womb, live your life, it's short, it's but a breath, and then poof. And they would always go as, you know, if they were people of faith, they would go to Abraham's bosom. And this was just the way of all the earth. They would go into the earth. That's where Hades even was. And so there was a gulf in Hades between Abraham's bosom and the hotter places. Uh, But the way of all the earth. I go the way of all the earth. Quote, unquote, David. Interesting statement. Joshua. These are two pictures of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, Joshua and David. What are they saying? They're going the way of all the earth? Our Jesus is something very special. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. So there is a way. And there is a way that all the earth goes. And guess what? If there is not intervention at some level by God Almighty, we all are going the way of all the earth. And there is nothing to stop it. A way. We could call, there's two definitions of a way that I'm going to uh, sort of bring out. The first one is of a journey from here here. there you see if you're gonna have a way that means you have to have a defined destination and so once you have a defined destination and you know your starting point well then from here to there is the way okay so we're going to enunciate two things here there you see God has defined our destination and he also defines where we're at and we must know both if we don't understand where we're at and where we're supposed to be going we don't understand the way. So it's very critical. Also, oh, well, the prerequisites for that journey, okay? You need a good map and you need the ability to get from here to there. Well, we have a good map. We have the Word of God in text and we have the Word of God in person. Jesus Christ, He's our map. He is the way. However, we need the ability to get from here to there. Now, if you understand the gospel, you'll know we also have that but I don't wanna get there yet. I want us to understand that God begins in the Old Testament to lay out the here and there. He gives them the map and they realize they can't get from here to there. They don't have the ability, which is what leads them to Jesus Christ. We need help, we need a Messiah. We know where we're supposed to go, but we can't get there. Welcome Jesus Christ to the stage of time. He is the way to the Father. The second way is of behavior. There is a way that we behave. And there is a proper way. Just like there's a way to get from here to there, there's a way of behavior. There's a wrong way, and there's a right way. Or we could say a wrong and a right action. There is a way you are supposed to live. There is a way you're supposed to think. There is a way you're supposed to behave. There's a right attitude. There's a wrong attitude. And guess what? We're wrong. Our entire life, our way of living is incorrect, and yet we must be of a certain nature, a certain way to be able to enter the Father's house. we got problems. So prerequisites. Well, you need a definition of what is the right action. What is the right behavior? Well, that's the Old Testament, isn't it? Remember the Ten Commandments? Lays it out, perfect righteousness, stands it up against us. We're like, ah, I, 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 am I supposed to be perfect with that? Yes. Unless you can fulfill perfect righteousness in your life, you can't. You can't be as you ought to be. You must be this way. Well, who is the way of perfect behavior? Jesus. He was not only the way to get from here to there, but he was the way that we are to live. He is the exemplary model of perfection. And we also need, so once you know the way you're supposed to be, these poor little kids that we raise in our homes, it's like, hey, you need to behave this way. What do they do? They go off and do the opposite. And what we're demonstrating is that there's a problem in our little children, which if it's not dealt with, you know what? We carry it into our adult years. We have a problem too. There is something wrong in us. It's known as sin. And unless that sin is dealt with, Somehow, some way, we are wrong. We are not right. And we are not demonstrating the way that we are supposed to be. And as a result, we cannot go on the journey to the Father. And when we get there, we knock, but we aren't as we ought to be. See, this is what we could call the bad news. Okay, now, if you've hung around Christianity, you know that we don't finish with bad news. But unless you understand the bad news, you don't understand the good news. Where is here? So it's sort of hard because I'm on a stage here, you know, and when you're talking about a journey or you're talking about a way, it's a little bit further than Eric standing here and Eric standing here. So you need to use your imagination for this. We need to get from here to there. So here, where is here? Well, here is right where many of us still are. You see, we were born, uh, just all of us, so we all sort of popped out the same way. Some of us might have come out Caesarean but we're all after a similar pattern. Conceived similarly, born similarly, we live similarly, we are of the same clay. We have the same problem. It's amazing when you're a gospel tier and you're dealing with the gospel day in and day out, you realize how profound this is. The enemy has tried to sell this notion that everyone has unique issues. It's a joke. We all have the same issues. We have unique personalities, we have unique dramas and unique life situations, But we all have the same issue. And when you hit that issue with Jesus Christ, it solves every single life. There is not one life that is an exception to the rule of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not one. And I say that really adamantly, don't I? I'm absolutely confident in it. I've seen it proven true for years of my life. Where is here? You have a problem. It's known as sin. But let me describe sin a little more close up. You see, you have rebelled... Against the living God. You say, Well, I didn't do anything. You see, inside of your body, which we could liken to a factory, that's my most, you know, that's the thing I liken it to the most. When I was talking about the gospel to Hudson the other day, I likened it to a car. Okay, but let's use the factory for a second. There you are, you're in your factory. It's your body, okay? And in this factory, you need to be producing a certain type of widget, gizmo, or fruit. There's things. Your life is supposed to do things, it's supposed to produce the right things. It's not working correctly. You're producing junk, and it smells in heaven. Like, oh, what's going on down there in that factory? And whoever is in charge of this factory is responsible for the fruit that it's producing. You're culpable for it. You're legally liable for it. And who's sitting in the director's chair? Yeah, that's right. It's you. However, you're tied up with rope, and you have a gag in your mouth. You're like, how can I be responsible? I can't change things. You're seated in the wrong position. That director's chair is only supposed to be the seat for Jesus Christ. And yet, look at you. You're in control of your life. Yet when you're in control of your life, you're actually not in control of your life. Something else is in control of your life when you sit in that director's chair. You thought it was gonna be so good being in control of your life. You thought, I could plan my future. I could form my destiny. Oh no, you can't. Sin will. You are, when you sit in that seat, controlled by something else. It's known as the old man. Paul refers to it also as the flesh. It's the principle of sin. Big burly blubbery guy, you know, with the unshaven beard and donut powder on his cheek and he's like belching and he's making smells all over the place inside of your life. He is destroying your body. He is destroying your life and he's in control of all the machinery. Everything that it could produce fruit is producing bad fruit. You are here. That is our problem. We need to get from here to there. Where's there? Well, you could say here is the body of death. Here is the body of Christ. There's all sorts of names for it. Here is darkness. Here is light. Here is death. Here is life. Here is hell. Here is heaven. There's all sorts of names that the Bible gives for these things, but we need to somehow get from here to there. Okay? Let's dig a little deeper into here. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now, if you knew Romans 7, you'd find this an interesting statement that I brought out, because the next line after this is an exclamation of triumph. But I clipped that out I'll give it to you later. but I clipped it out to let you know, Paul is making a statement. He's identifying with the Jews, and he's saying, "Look, he's describing the here." And he's saying, "Who can save me? O oh, wretched man that I am?" That is meant to be the cry of every human on earth, to recognize the here and to cry out for their Messiah. Here, we could call it the body of this death or the place of pain. That's what I call it uh, with, with my kids. We call it the place of pain. It's the place of punishment. It's the place of justice when it serves, it's the separation from the holy presence of God because we are not as God is. We weren't behaving in the way we ought to behave. We didn't get from here to there, and when we don't, guess what? We remain here. And here is not just hell in the future, it's hell now. But it is hell in the future. Don't you love coming to a church that actually uses the word hell? Oh, not very fun, but it's truth. So, here is hell a place of pain, but not just pain in the future. It's pain now. When you live outside of Jesus Christ, outside of what you were intended for, what you created for, it's misery. Yes, sin is pleasurable for a season. It dupes you with that season. It addicts you in that season. It gets you stuck in the turnstile of your selfishness, and you cannot get out. That season is not worth the entire eternity of your existence. So I'll look at this last little uh, title here. Everlasting, never-ending, unanethicized, un- ever-conscious torment, pain, and suffering. Who, who would like to, uh, to go there? None of us in our right mind wishes to remain here. Now there are people that don't like what I have to say and either choose to deny that here exists to redefine here and to make it sound like some blissful reality, some utopia that we can have, if all of us as humans link arms and sing kumbaya, here can be redefined and we can be happy here. Let me out of here. I don't want to remain here. I want to be with Jesus. That's my conclusion. So if you like that conclusion too and you're in harmony and concert with that, let's go on a journey together. For the wages of sin is death. This here is sin. You sitting on the throne of your existence, giving power to the old man in the flesh over your life, that's sin. That's the operation of sin in your life, the wages of it, the final outcome of it. What is it? It's death. It's eternal damnation, eternal judgment, vengeance and eternal everlasting fire, shame and everlasting contempt, everlasting punishment, everlasting destruction, everlasting chains. The smoke of the torment ascends up forever and ever. It's torment day and night forever and ever. It's the wrath of God poured out without mixture and no rest is offered day or night and there is no break from the horror, from the nightmare, from the pain forever and ever and ever. I want out of here. I don't know anyone in the right mind that wants to be here. However, we as Christians that are hearing this message, that are learning the way to the Father, we must recognize and keep this before our eyes to remember that there's a lot of people that are here. And if there are people here, what must we do about it? Let's get these feet of ours beautified. We must allow God to move us to action so that we, with the gospel, are able and willing to deliver it to those that are here. Luke 13. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, for many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught us, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. You know, that's that's here. A worker of iniquity. That means the fruit of your operation is producing only junk. You're a worker of iniquity. Get out of here. And you're like, I don't know how. That's what we're talking about. Oh, wretched man that I am. Remember I read this scripture earlier and I said I trimmed off only the top part. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Well, look at the second part. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, if I get excited, I'm just preparing you, I might get really loud. Where is there? Oh, there is a good place. I wanna be there there is everything I love, everything I cherish, everything I worship. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land. They're here in Egypt in slavery. And God has come down to deliver them out of that land, out of the here, into the there, unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flown with milk and honey. Now, if you don't like milk and honey... Just know that God means that to be a very good thing. This is a land that flows with it under the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. There, there is the body of Christ. You see, you were in the body of this death, but there is the body of Christ. You're in a new location. You're in a new habitat. You see, your body wasn't working here. But guess what? When you become the body of Christ, you become as you ought to be. There is a new order. There is a new mastery. Who's in the director's chair? Uh Uh-huh, that's right. It's not you. It's new management. Jesus Christ rules this body. You're the body of Christ. He's the head. You are the body. Or we could call it the Father's house. We need to get from here, the place of pain, to the Father's house. I love that picture. The reason I'm sort of playing on the Father's house is because it's a place of consolation and comfort. You know, when you know that your father is standing by you, when you've, I don't know if you can remember those young days, Now, some of you may not have had great fathers, so you may not have ever known this, but the strong arms of your father around you, when he says, "Hush, it's all right, daddy's here, oh, the father's house. You know, when we wander away, remember the, the prodigal? who wa- wanders away thinking, you know what, I can have something better than in my father's house. And then he recognizes, my father was the place to be. And the father looks afar off and sees his prodigal son returning. He throws all oriental dignity to the wind and runs to him. That's an incredible picture. Wraps his arm around him, kisses him on the cheek. The father wants us home. It's the everlasting, never-ending life, ceaseless joy, tireless peace, abundant love, and perfect consolation. By the way, another term for it is heaven. That's the term most of us know, but it's where the Father is. It's where Jesus is. It's where the Spirit, the three of them, abide forever. I want to be there. I want to be with my God. I love my God, and wherever he is, I want to be. Heaven, this is the terms for it in Scripture. The kingdom of Christ and of God, my Father's house, a better country, a rest, a rest from labors, a paradise, so first, the bad news. And I know you're saying, oh, I've gotten plenty of bad news already. Well, we have to establish the bad news because when we establish the bad news, then suddenly you resonate with the good news. It's like, oh, I need some good news. You crave it. But when you hear the good news growing up and you never heard the bad news, it never sinks in. You're like, oh, thank you for that. That's, that's nice. You don't realize that you desperately need that. And so as a result, what was it? Was it Ray Comfort when he was talking about if you're in a plane and they hand you a parachute, try to stick the parachute on your back, you're not really gonna be too excited about wearing a parachute on your back. Everyone's looking at you like, what are you wearing that for? But if you knew the plane was going down, suddenly you don't mind taking on the parachute and looking a little funny to all the other passengers. You see, we don't know the plane is going down. And as a result, when God's trying to hand us the parachute, we're like, no thank you. You can give that to someone else. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're not. But no, now that's a funny way, I put... I'll just read it, okay? Take out the dot, dot, dots. But no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, nor idolater, no one who practices adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, drunkenness, and revelings, and no sorcerer, murderers, and those who love lies and make lies shall enter in to heaven, to the kingdom of God, to the Father's house. You know what? When you look through scripture, you'll realize very quickly, every single one of us is excluded. Every last one of us. I don't care if you were the nice little kid you know, that didn't get into trouble and never really got you know, disciplined by your parents. You're not entering in either without help. There is nothing you can do to fix your problem outside of yourself or inside of yourself. In and amongst your own range of options, you do not have the solution. So the Father's house, the better country, is reserved for the perfectly righteous. That's the bad news. In other words, what good is it to hear about this wonderful country, this amazing there, if you can't get there? That is sort of discouraging, don't you think? You can try the rest of your life to whip up the perfect righteousness, to whip up the holiness that is necessary, to whip up the perfection of behavior, to have every thought be pure, not one thought be errant, to have every emotion be pure and cleansed. To have every action, to have every word be without guile, to have every word be without lie and without deception. To have every word be without self-acclamation. Try it. You cannot do it. So here's a little crash course on the bad news. I know I'm spending a lot of time on the bad news, but is the worse we feel, the better we will feel in the end. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. This is speaking of you and me, by the way. There is none that does good, no, not one. Every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that does good, no, not one. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the, king, is the knowledge of sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You show forth the glory of God and God will open up the gates for you. You show forth the perfection of God, he will open up the gates for you. He's actually bound by law to do it because he said only the perfectly righteous, the ones that fulfill the law to perfection, can come in. So if you fulfill the law to perfection, that is one avenue in. So since you can't do it, I know you might be just taking me at my word on that. Since you can't do it, you're gonna need some help by someone who can do it. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says them to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now part of that I just read, okay? But I I added this extra emphasis in it. Those that are under the law, you see, you are under a law. It's called by Paul, the apostle Paul, the law of sin and death. It's a law, it's a legally binding covenantal agreement that you have with death. You've actually covenanted with death. You sat in the chair, didn't you? Who's in control of your life? But I didn't know. Well, that's the way the enemy works. He's not stupid. Do you think Eve fully understood when she ate of that fruit what she was getting herself into? No. If she had full disclosure from the enemy, could you imagine she, he, the, the enemy's forced to say, wow, well, and just so you know, I'm lying right now. And you know, here's you know, a few little points for you to, to recognize that when you do this, your life will fall apart and you will surely die. The enemy doesn't give full disclosure. He deceives. You sat in the director's chair. You entered into a legal binding covenant with death. And as long as you are alive, that covenant is active. You're under the law. You're under the law of sin and death. The illustration I used last night for the attendees of the conference, as I said, it's like a plane. Say you wanna fly. Perfect righteousness would be to fly. You can't fly, try flapping your arms, you're not gonna take off. There's a plane, though, in front of you. You see, you're under the law of gravity. That plane, though, though it would seem to be under the law of gravity, runs and operates after a higher law. And so, if you enter into that plane, It is able to operate by the law of aerodynamics, which is a higher law. And so as a result, even though you, under the law of sin and death, are unable, the plane is able to accomplish something that you can't accomplish. Every mouth must be stopped. The world must become guilty before God. This is the purpose of the law, that every mouth would be stopped and the world must become guilty before God. So it says that the law is a schoolmaster which leads us to Christ. How does it lead us? That doesn't sound like a very good education. I don't want to learn that. I don't want to have my mouth stopped, and I don't want to have to become guilty before God. Unless you do, you will not be prepared for your Messiah. The law must do its work in you Do you feel the weight of the law of sin and death over you? Do you realize that you're controlled by the old man? You can't live this life. If you don't recognize that, you're not yet ready. Pray to God, please show me, reveal to me my inadequacy, my failure, that I am born in sin. Please show me so that I would be made ready for my Messiah. Oh, uh, before I go there. Okay, now I have a little special treat that I wove into this. I've never done this before. You guys took a peek at that. Uh, I, on May 7th, 2007, something very special happened. And after it happened, I sat down with my son Hudson, who wanted to share what happened with the world. And we recorded a 19-minute uh, recording. And I have clipped a few little chunks out of that, and various times interspersed. I would like to play those for you. So it's a little strange because it's not gonna be video, it's just gonna be audio with a still keynote screen up there, okay? So you're gonna have to work with me on this. But this is, no, I'll go to the, it says Hudson-Lutie testimony, part one, Hudson-Lutie on the really bad news. So I know he doesn't look very unhappy here. Uh, I didn't, couldn't find a picture of him, you know, moping around. We usually don't click the camera in those moments. Uh <laughs> But this is the result of him hearing the really bad news and eventually hearing the really good news. Okay, but I want Hudson to be able to talk to you uh, and to share what happened on the seventh. All right. Well, this is Eric Lutie, and I'm sitting with my son Hudson. Can you say hi?
2: Hi.
1: And Hudson is six years old, actually getting close to six and a half. But it's uh, May seventh, two thousand eleven very significant day uh, for both Hudson and myself, and that's what we wanted to talk about. We were out pulling weeds together today, and we were having a conversation about the gospel, Uh, and remember how Daddy explained to you what the gospel is? What does that gospel mean?
2: It means the good news.
1: The good news. Well, it's sort of hard to understand why it's good news if you don't understand the bad news. Uh, and that's what Daddy was first talking about. We were talking about the bad news. And the bad news wasn't very good, was it? It was sort of scary. Uh, we were talking about how how you're sort of like a a car. Remember how I, I said that uh, your body is like a car? Yeah. And uh, what's a car supposed to do?
2: It's supposed to drive.
1: It's supposed to drive. and. So when you have a place that you want to take your car, it's supposed to go there, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not supposed to run out of gas. It's not supposed to get a flat tire. It's supposed to reach its destination, right? Yeah, right. But what happens if a car uh, doesn't just not get where it's supposed to go, but it starts running into people and hurting them, and it starts getting dings and bashes, and it starts getting flat tires, and it's just not functioning the way it's supposed to function? That's not good, is it? No. And that's sort of like us. That's sort of like you, isn't it? Remember, you know, daddy says that you need to be a good boy and you need not to lie, you need to obey, you need not to hit Dubber, uh, Abby, and Harper. And what do you do?
2: Um, you do something.
1: You do something? <laughs> you know all those times you've gotten disciplines? <laughs> all those little miniature evidences and memorials of the fact that your car's not running right, is it? No. It's not going where it's supposed to go. And so we talked about the bad news, and the bad news is, unless you, your car functions just the way it's supposed to go, and it gets right to Jesus, and it lives perfectly, and it does everything right, never gets a flat tire, never goes out of, out of the way that it's supposed to go, then some bad things happen, don't they? Who's responsible for what happens in that car? Is it the person that's in the driver's seat? Yeah. So whoever's in that driver's seat is responsible for what happens with the car. Is it the car's fault if it runs into a pole? No. Who's responsible?
2: The person who's driving it.
1: The person who's driving it. And who's driving your car? Who is sitting in the driver's seat?
2: The big meanie.
1: Well, sort of. But you know who, who's responsible? Who's responsible when, when you do something bad and you push Harper? Or you say something mean to Harper? Who gets a discipline? Is it uh, the wall?
2: No. Is it the clock? No. Is it the chair? No. Who
1: gets the discipline? Me. You do. Why would you get the discipline? Because you're the one in the driver's seat. You're the one with your hands on the steering wheel, aren't you? Yeah. And so as long as you're in that driver's seat, did you know that your car doesn't go where it's supposed to go? Remember we talked about uh, the big. at the end okay sorry that was an awkward cutoff point but uh, (laughs) you're bound by law so here we are and we are in and under the law of sin and death you were bound in this position remember I said ropes around you you cannot get out of this situation you can try and wiggle all you want and even if you burst out of the ropes the flesh is just going to stick you right back in the seat and tie you again The flesh is bigger than you. It's controlling you. You're bound by law, what it says in Romans 7. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, remember we're speaking about the law in the Old Testament, which is different than the law on sin and death, but it awakened. See, the law of the, for instance, the Ten Commandments, which is part of the law, it, it denotes perfect righteousness. When that was delivered to the saints, what they realized is that they were wrong. They were incorrect, And it revealed the law of sin and death. So which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. And by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me. God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin. So that sin, your situation, might be revealed to you. And might be recognized, this is sin. Working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am. This is the context for that. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The way of Jesus. He got from here to there, and he did it perfectly. Remember I said the way? There's a way of behavior, and there's a way to get from here to there. Jesus not only did get from here to there, but he did it perfectly. Of course, the reason he got from here to there is because he did it perfectly. Jesus was, without sin, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He knew no sin. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, and in him is no sin. Let's listen to Hudson talk about the perfect, sinless Jesus. Uh, The big meanie, Satan, the serpent, back in the Garden of Eden. And he told Adam and Eve that uh, they could get in the driver's seat and their life would work better. And they could be like God. You know, see, God's the only one that's ever supposed to be in the driver's seat of your body, isn't he? Yeah. But when we listen to that serpent and we take that driver's seat, you know that everything goes wrong in our car, everything goes wrong in our life and in our body? And that's known as sin. Okay? And it says in the Bible that the consequences of sin is death. And it's eternal separation from Jesus Christ, from God. And it takes us to what we always call the place of pain, which is also known as hell, right? And so all you have to do is one bad thing and where do you end up?
2: In the place of pain.
1: So where, where are you supposed to go when you die because of the bad things you've done?
2: The place of pain.
1: Do you wanna to go to the place of pain? No. <laughs> I don't blame you. But is there anyone who is good enough and that has driven their car correctly that won't go to the place of pain?
2: One person.
1: One person? One person. Who's that one person?
2: Um, Jesus.
1: You see, before we understand the good news, we must understand the bad news. And the bad news is that none of us, not one of us, can drive our car correctly. And we're all hitting other people and bashing in our fender and getting flat tires and going out of the way we're supposed to go. There's a way we're supposed to go, but we can't go that way. And so we're all headed to the place of pain, aren't we?
2: Yeah.
1: So you asked me, well, then who can go to heaven? And I said, well, there's one. There's one who can go to heaven. And what was his name?
2: Jesus.
1: Why could Jesus go to heaven?
2: Because he didn't do nothing wrong.
1: He did nothing wrong. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He didn't hit his brother or sister. He didn't complain about the food that was being served him. When his mom asked him to clean his room, he did. Remember we talked about uh, the big meaning, Satan? Is that the end of that one? We have some rough endings. Uh, So much for my editing job. Now, the good news. Okay, you guys went through an awful lot. So let's start talking some good news. For he hath made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Something had to be, dealt, had to be done. The just consequence of our sin and the fruition of our life had to be dealt with. Sin was controlling us. Something had to die to set us free from this binding covenant. That something that died for us was Jesus. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to help them that are tempted. He went through something, he accomplished something, he went on a journey, and he behaved perfectly the way we ought to behave. Now he is set up as our intercessor so that he can help those of us that are tempted and those of us that are still locked in this chamber of death. He is able to help us. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Oh, we have some more Hudson testimony. So Jesus came to this earth. Why? Why did he come here?
2: To rescue us.
1: To rescue us from what?
2: From sin.
1: From sin. You see, if someone didn't help us, we're all going to the place of pain, aren't we? And so he came to help us. How did he help us? Do you remember what you and daddy talked about? How did Jesus help us?
2: Um, he died on the cross.
1: He died on the cross? Why would he do that? How would that help us?
2: Um, he took away our sins and went to the place of pain for us.
1: Because God is a just God, which means if someone does wrong, he has to give a consequence and a discipline, doesn't he? And we did wrong, so there needs to be a discipline for it. Okay? And so the discipline, instead of going on you, so you were deserving of going to the place of pain and experiencing the suffering of eternal torment. But instead, who did that suffering go on and who did the penalty go on?
2: Jesus.
1: So Jesus took your penalty for you, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Remember we were talking about the fact that one has been allowed into heaven? And yeah. that's Jesus? Yeah. And so if only one is going to heaven, That heaven's not going to have many people in it, is it? No. But what Jesus is called is the way, the way to the Father. Jesus is the way. It seems like I've said that multiple times. By the way, in that last thing, if you are really sharp, you'll realize that the term discipline in regards to what God needs to do because of our sin is not necessarily the correct word just punishment uh, and the wrath of God might be a little more appropriate. Trying to explain that to a six-year-old is a little more difficult. Uh, Jesus is the way. Jesus saith, I am the way. He gets us from here to there. Now, that's an oversimplification of the gospel, but that's also the gospel. There is only one way to get from here to there, and his name is Jesus. So let's talk about that. He's the way to salvation. He's the way to the cross. He's the way to the death. He's the way to the burial. He's the way to the resurrection. He's the way to the Father's house. He's the way to a life that works. You see, Jesus went on a journey, and he charted a course, and there were very specific things that he did in that journey that were all very significant, and that journey is the very same journey that we must go on somehow. You must find salvation. You must be governed and clothed in perfect righteousness. You must be separated from the old man. And the old man, your flesh, must be annulled and must no longer be in control of your body. You must find a newness of life and a new management. You must be controlled by the Spirit. And you must get to the Father's house. How in the world are you going to pull this off? Jesus himself became the vehicle he became the way to get there and so all he begs of us all he asks of us is that we get into him remember the plane the plane can fly you can't the plane is headed somewhere if you get in the plane where that plane goes you go the strange thing about this which is hard for many of us to comprehend is this happened 2,000 years ago How in the world could a plane that flew 2,000 years ago help me get to the same destination? Sort of confusing, isn't it? But that's literally what happened. When he died, everything that we gain by believing in him is gained 2,000 years ago. It was accomplished for us. And through faith, we grab a hold of it, and literally, it's like we're taken on the journey with him. So let's walk through this journey. The first part is the way to salvation. You must be rescued. You must be rescued from this body of death. There's only one way and that is to get into Jesus Christ. I want you to realize it's the equivalent of just walking onto a plane. You can stand outside the plane and cheer on the plane but that doesn't mean you have the benefits of the plane. You can get on top of the plane, pat the plane, kiss the plane. It doesn't mean you have the benefits of the plane. The law of gravity will still control you. But when you get inside the plane, then the benefits and the merits and the virtue of that plane and the higher law of aerodynamics trumps the law of gravity. That is your secret to salvation because suddenly you are clothed in something other than yourself, and your own works. You now have the clothing of Jesus Christ. You are in him. I used this illustration last night. Clothing, if it's just standing off to the side in a pile on the floor, isn't very helpful to you If clothing is going to work, you need to be inside of it. And so Jesus is likened to clothing. We need to be inside. He's also likened to a door. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. There is literally a door. He is the door, the access in. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me. With the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When we enter into Jesus, which is as simple as saying, I believe it. I'm in Jesus. He is my source of salvation. I am rescued when I enter into him. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Grace is the enabling power of God to accomplish the errands of God. You cannot live this life without that enabling power. And we are to step into this by faith. We are to step into this grace. The grace is Christ. He is our grace. He is our vehicle that carries us from here to there. We're saved by grace. How do we get to the Father's house? By grace. Get into the grace. How do we access it? By faith. By faith. We say, I believe that was for me. I believe that what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago was for me. You just step in. It's that simple. The door is wide open. He's the door. He's not gonna close it on you. He's the door. There's not some other door out there that has to look at you and go, well, I don't know. He is the door. Come to him. He says, it's open right now. Get in. When you enter into Jesus, all the benefits of Jesus become yours. Everything. And now the way of salvation is opened up to you it's a way it's a journey you see you're here and yet you step into christ and yet jesus doesn't want to leave you here in christ he wants to take you where he is you see he is somewhere and he wants you to be there so he says come with me so when you get into jesus you go on a journey you go on the way to the father so where does well i need to read this one For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When you are in Christ, you become the righteousness of God. It's not your own righteousness, it's not your own works, it's not your own beauty, it's his. And he clothes you in it. He clothes us in his righteousness. And I emphasize the word in. The word in is critical in scripture. You are in Christ. And when you're in Christ, that means a new authority and a higher law operates in your life. No longer is the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I want that law to rule me. I don't want to be under the law of sin and death. I don't want to remain here. I want to go there. If you want to get there, you need to enter into a higher law. The way to the cross. I started out by saying it's the way to salvation. was well, also the way to the cross. You know that you need to get to that cross? See, that death that happened at that cross is essential for you. Because when Christ died, he dealt with the old man. Mine's called Old Eric. You have your own little name to it. But it's that old behavior. It's that selfishness, that obstinance, that rebellion, that self-satisfying and self-gratifying impulse within you. He says, I want it on my terms. I want life the way I want to live my life. That will kill you. And that power within you, that voice within you that has always been your consultant, needs to die. Well, you can't kill it. Some of you have been trying your entire life to get rid of the old man. You can't get rid of him. There's only one secret, and that is the way. Jesus, you get into him, you know where he goes? He goes to the cross. 2,000 years ago, he went to the cross. You know what he did at the cross? He dealt with your old man. Knowing this, says Paul, that our old man is crucified with him. That means when Christ was crucified, your old man was dealt with. You're like, well, my old man's still been around for 2,000 years. Why in the world's that? How's that happened? Last night we talked about reckoning. If you don't reckon this and stick it in your spiritual pocket as fact, it's not yours. Don't just know about it. This isn't a trivial pursuit question. Did Jesus Christ die for you? Is your old man dead with him? You're like, oh, I'm sure it's true. You must take it. You tell your old man, out! By the power and the authority of Jesus Christ signed with his blood, you can no longer remain. You were crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. These are facts we're dealing with. He's the way to deal with the old man. He's the way to the cross. You can't get to that cross 2,000 years ago. Try. Set off on a little journey and try to get to the cross 2,000 years ago. There's only one way to get there. You get into Christ. He takes you there. He got the old man out of the way. For you to get to the Father's house, that had to happen. The old man has to be dealt with. He dealt with it for you. He's the way to death. See, it wasn't just the cross and he suffers and then they take him down and he has these terrible nail wounds for the rest of his life that get infected. He died on the cross. And so must you. You see, you cannot die. It's impossible for your spiritual man to be corrected and for the old man to be dealt with properly. But he deals with it properly. Know you not, brethren, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? See, as long as you live, did you know that you're still under the law of sin and death? Because God is a legal God, He respects the legal code. And if you're under a law, guess what? He says, you know what? You can't marry another. That would be adultery. We are married, we are in covenant with death. Well, we can't get out of that covenant unless there is death. Death is what separates us. We know that about marriage. It's adultery if you go out and just get married to someone else while you're still married to someone. You can't do that. But if there's death, it annuls the previous covenant and sets you free to marry another. Well, guess what Jesus had to accomplish for us? He had to enable us to enter into a new covenant with him. And therefore, we must be in him, and we must be taken to the cross, and we must die. And that death that he died becomes our death, and it nullifies our covenant with death so that we can enter into a covenant with him and become his bride. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. But now you're under something new. You're under grace. Remember what I said grace was? Grace is the vehicle that takes you from here to there. Now you're in a new vehicle. No longer are you held captive and bound by that law. You are set free to go from here to there. For he that is dead is freed from sin. See, you died, therefore you're free from that sin. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Well, guess what? You're dead to that now. (laughs) And you died, therefore you're free to now live. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul says this over and over and over again. He freed us from the law of sin and death. That's simple, and he had to. You see, if we were still in that law, we couldn't enter into covenant and enter into his holy place. We had to go to the cross. But to get to the cross, we had to get in him. So when we get in him, he takes us to the cross because he is the way to the Father. He takes us on this journey. He takes us to the cross, gets rid of the old man. We die with him. And he's the way to burial. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. separated us from our old behavior you see you have an old life it's disgusting I don't know how many of you want to just hold on to your old life isn't it time to say adios to it you can't it just lingers it's like a bad smell that just sort of hangs out with you you can't get rid of it you're tied to that old life but no more The gospel, when you get into Christ, takes you to the cross, deals with the old man, annuls the covenant with death, buries the old behavior. What are you being set up for now? Where does Jesus go next? Stone rolls away! The way to resurrection life. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. You're tired of that old life? So am I. I don't want to remain here any more than you do. Most of us have accepted here as our lot in life. There's so many Christian doctrines that explain why we are still here instead of trusting the word of God and saying God said we're not supposed to remain here. What are you going to believe? The modern doctrines? The experience of the Christian church in our age? Or the word of God? Because the word of God does not stutter on this point we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Is that true for you? Because this is what comes from being in Christ. He takes you to the cross, old man discarded. He dies, that death is your death, and it annuls the covenant you have with death so you can enter into a new covenant of life. That old behavior is discarded. Now it's time to enter life. New management can come in and rule this body. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. He supplied us new life. Take it. Because if you have Jesus, this is available to you. Get in Jesus. Stop staring at the plane. Get in the plane. And the plane is going on a journey so that you can go on the journey. When you're a passenger in a plane, how much work are you doing? You're not the one that's accomplishing it all, but you get to take advantage of the benefits. When it lands in some beautiful tropical paradise, guess what? The plane technically should get the credit, but there you are to enjoy the beauty and the fragrance and the life. The way to the Father's house. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Now, I put Father's house in there just to add a little new sparkle to this scripture. No one comes to the Father's house but by me. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father, which I put in the Father's house. Just add that extra sparkle. For through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father's house. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Now, this is neat. The term is heavenly places. But a lot of us gloss over. And so I'm going to stick Father's house where it says heavenly places. Okay? Because it's the Father's house. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the Father's house in Christ, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the Father's house and has raised us up together and made us sit together in the Father's house in Christ Jesus to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in the Father's house might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And that might be a little confusing. But follow this trajectory. You get into Jesus. Jesus is on a journey. Where is he headed? He's headed to the Father. So where does he stop first? Because he has some business to get done in your life. He stops at the cross. And he deals with your old man. He condemns sin in the flesh. Then what does he do? He dies. Annuls the covenant with death. Frees you to enter into covenant with him. Buries your old behavior. Then what happens? Stone rolls away. He rises again. Our God lives. But not just our God. If you died with him, you will also live with him. You live if you are in Christ. Life, new life, abundant life. Yours, take it. Then 40 days later, where did he go? He ascended. Where did he go? He went to the Father. He went to the right hand of the Father, which is exactly what Paul is describing in Ephesians. He is describing... Jesus at the right hand in Ephesians 1, and then he describes us in Christ at the right hand of the Father in Ephesians 2. What are we doing there? I thought we were down here. We are where he is. If we are in Christ, we are where he is. And he is at the place of all authority, all dominion, all control over all principalities and powers. And where are you? Strangely, in him. It says in Ephesians 1 that all things are under his feet. Whose feet do you have? You are called the body of Christ. Whose feet do you have? You have the feet of Jesus, which is why he can call them beautiful. Even for my con. He brings us to the Father. Hudson-Lutie testimony, the way to the Father. You see... Jesus is the only one that can get us to the Father. There's nothing you can do to get yourself to the Father. The only thing you can do is get yourself to the place of pain, right? Why? So you need Jesus' help. And so what Jesus did, he's called the door. And so remember what you did this afternoon? You went in through the door, didn't you? Yeah. And you got in something. What was that something that you got in?
2: It starts with J. It
1: <laughs> Starts with J. A capital J. Oh, a capital J. Is, is his name Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember we were talking about a plane? That being near the plane or being on top of the plane doesn't help you take off. You may want to fly, but being near the plane doesn't help you fly, does it? No. No? What did you have to do to fly?
2: You have to get in it.
1: You have to get in the plane. What if, And then wherever the plane is going, if you're inside of it, it takes you there, right? Yeah. What if the plane's going to Tokyo?
2: You go to Tokyo.
1: What if it's going to California?
2: California. you You go to California.
1: What if it's going to Australia?
2: You go to Australia.
1: What if it's going to heaven?
2: You go to heaven.
1: And so when you get in Jesus, he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross where did you go?
2: The old Hudson went to the cross.
1: The old Hudson went to the cross. That's right. And when he was buried in the ground, where did you go?
2: The old Hudson was buried and the new Hudson, then there was the new Hudson.
1: Then there was a new Hudson because when he, that stone rolled away and he came back to life, what happened to you?
2: There's a new Hudson.
1: There's a new Hudson. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. And so then where did Jesus go after that?
2: Um, he went.
1: After he rose from the dead, where did he go? He
2: went to heaven.
1: He went to heaven. And where did you go?
2: I stayed.
1: You stayed? <laughs> and
2: going to heaven.
1: Well, where are you? Are you in Jesus or yeah, outside of Jesus? I'm
2: in Jesus.
1: And so wherever Jesus goes, you go, right? Just like a plane. If a plane goes to Tokyo, where do you go? Tokyo. So if Jesus went to heaven, where do you go? Heaven. That's right. So even though you're sitting next to Daddy right now in front of a microphone, where are you?
2: With Jesus.
1: That's right. So, when you die in this body, where do you go? Heaven. That's right, B. So, can you get to heaven?
2: Not all by myself.
1: That's right. What do you need?
2: Jesus.
1: You need Jesus. And that's the great secret. Finally, the way to a life that works. It's the way to salvation. You want to be rescued from the place of pain? You need Jesus. There's only one solution. There's countless religions out there that have their counterfeit options for you. And I'm here to say, without equivocation, without shame, without blushing, there is only one way to the Father. There is only one way to eternal life, and that is Jesus Christ. You hear that? I'm not ashamed of that. This is the power of God into salvation. There's no other salvation outside of it. Why should I be sheepish about it? I don't care about political correctness. It sends you to hell. If it's not giving you truth, what's the good of it? If all it's doing is crippling your soul, why would I pacify it? I am here to see people rescued, and so should you. It's enough of this ridiculousness, pandering after the approval of our culture. If they crucify us, they crucify us. We follow our King and our Messiah. We proclaim His truth. And not the truth of our culture. We do not placate their sensibilities. We're interested in the applause of one. You want a life that works? You have to get in Jesus. If you want to deal with the old man, you have to be in Jesus and let him take you to the cross. And you have to reckon his death your death. And you have to reckon your old man dead and that covenant with death annulled so that a new covenant can be done and created and operational in your life through his blood. Your old behavior, it's gone. You have a new behavior, and it's the behavior of Jesus Christ. Why? Not because of your resolve and your willpower and your grit and your determination. It's because now you have new management, and God controls your body. The same way the flesh used to control your body, now it's God. He controls you. No longer is it sin. It's the Spirit. The Spirit of God controls the body of the believer. And he takes you, not just out of the grave, but he takes you to seat you with him, in a heavenly place, in the Father's house. I'm in the Father's house. I am. I know I'm down here. But spiritually, that's my position. And all the spiritual powers on this earth have to recognize it. That when I speak in the authority of my king, I speak as one seated in Christ Jesus. And as a result, I do not cower before the powers of earth and hell. I'm a Christian. Why should I cower? I'm seated in Christ Jesus. Everything's under his feet. I am free to show love and deference. I can take the lowest place and not feel the indignity of it. I'm dead to myself. I serve a one higher than me who took a far lower place than I could ever take. We follow him. So you want a life that works? Most of us do. But the life doesn't work here. It only works There. So if you want a life that works, you need to get there. You need to get to the Father's house because in the Father's house is all the treasury of everything that you will need for life and godliness. Everything that is needed to perform the Christian life, the ability to live it. You need it inside of you, not in theory, not in your mind. You need the power of God dwelling in you. But now being made free from sin... Isn't that funny? He's making a statement. It's like, yeah, now that you're free from sin, most of us are like, I'm not free from sin. You are if you're in Christ. You are if He's taking you to the cross and you've reckoned yourself dead to the old man. You are if you believe. So believe and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. See, you have new fruit coming out of your life, and it's unto holiness. And a highway shall be there. This is in Isaiah, speaking of the way that will one day come, named Jesus Christ. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. See, this, this is the way of holiness. So when you, next time you get that one thought against holiness, like holiness. Holiness means to be set apart and unlike this world, to be made like him who is holy. This is the gospel. So let's not defraud the gospel, because We're sick and tired of legalists down here on earth. Legalists are a counterfeit. They're attempting to go on the way from here to there, and they're acting like they're there when in actuality they did it in their own strength. They've come up with a whole bunch of rules, and if they follow these rules, they somehow will be there. But that isn't the way there. There's only one way there, and that's getting into Christ and then going to the cross and dying and being buried and being resurrected in newness of life and then ascending to be with him in in, in heaven and then his spirit being deposited within us and us no longer living but Christ living in us the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to the saints which is Christ in us the hope of glory wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto god by him okay let's look. I wish I had highlighted that that come unto god by him how did we get there by him So those that come unto God by him, he is able to save to the uttermost. You need to be rescued. You need to be polished. You need to be sanctified and perfected. He does the work. He started the work. He completes the work. Because you're with him. He's polishing you. He's saving you to the uttermost. Seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. He's your strong man. He's your tower. He's your shield for the rest of your days you have yourself an intercessor known as Jesus Christ. So get in him so you can take advantage of this. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You just hear that? His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. You have everything in Jesus. All of it. It's there for you. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. I think I'm going to end there, even though I had more in my notes. I think I'm just going to wrap it up there. Was there one more Hudson thing? Yeah, let's let's do that. What's the gospel again?
2: The gospel is the good news.
1: The good news. So no longer do you, do you just need to focus on the bad news. The bad news is you're headed to the place of pain. Do you know that a lot of other people are living with just bad news right now? Yeah. What do they need?
2: Jesus.
1: Well, who's going to tell them about Jesus?
2: Um, you and me. That's right.
1: Well, we're starting right now, and we're telling them about Jesus, aren't we? Jesus is the way to the Father. And then the last thing we did... After you uh, got in Jesus, you know what the exciting thing was? What? Now Jesus could get in you. Remember your prayer? You asked for Jesus to get inside of you and help you live this life right from this point forward. And he took that front seat, didn't he, and grabbed the steering wheel. All right?
2: Yeah, all right.
1: Well, old Hudson's dead. But just so you know, old Hudson will come knocking. And he'll try and take control of this body again. What do you tell old Hudson?
2: No. No,
1: (laughs) that's right. Well, that's a very precious thing for me, and I'm glad that you guys could share that uh, with us this morning. And, you know, there's nothing I long for more than for my children to be in Christ. That's the weight I put upon what we're talking about. It's everything. Because when Hudson is in Christ, then Christ can be in Hudson. And if Christ is in Hudson... Just as I said, where Christ goes, we go. When, when we're in Christ and Christ is in us, that means where we go, Christ goes. We become mobile units. Military units of the kingdom of heaven declaring the gospel of our great king. God puts us on wheels and sends us off into this earth. And where we go, our God goes. So the great secret starts with the simple step in to Christ. And everything follows suit because he's the way. He's the way to the Father, and he's truly the way even for him to get into us. And that's how Christianity works. Christianity works by being in Christ and Christ being in us. That's how it works. It's very simple, actually. We've complicated it today. Because we've been trying to explain why we are all still here. As opposed to taking God at his word and saying, God, I refuse to be here. Especially since you've made provision for me to be there. Take me there. Whatever you must do in me, do it. Get rid of that flesh. Get rid of self. Get rid of all this behavior. Do what you must do. Show me the pattern. Because I want to be where you are. He'll get you there. After church today, I told this to the students last night, Sandy is going to be available this afternoon. If there's anyone that wants to be walked through the Reckoning with Truth, the gospel, personally, just taken by the hand and walked through this, I want you to realize that she will be here and available this afternoon. Where are you going to be, Sandy? In the same, same room? It's the Lake House room, which is the building next door on the far southern end, so the furthest on the bottom level uh, room. Over there, And if you would like to go through the gospel, what would you say, uh, 20 minutes from now, half hour from now, what would you prefer? Half hour. Half hour from now, anyone in there, uh, that she'll, she'll walk you through that, okay? Um, and anyone who's in here that uh, can't do it today and you're interested in just really getting a grip on the gospel personally, I want you to realize that's what we do here at Ellerslie. And so if there's any interest at that level, just tell us. We'll set up a special time uh, to walk uh, through it with you, okay? Let's pray. Holy Father. Please take us by the hand right now and walk us into you whether it's for the first time for the 10,000th time. May we just ratify the realities of our soul and declare afresh to the heavenlies, we are in Christ. Not because of anything we have done, but because of your great act of mercy and love. Because of your great salvation. We are in you. And you have given us the faith. You have given us the ability to see this is reality. And Lord Jesus, we are changed by it. And may there be a declaration in the souls of those present. I am dead to sin. My old man is crucified with Christ. My old behavior is buried. I am raised to newness of life in Christ Jesus. And I am seated at the right hand of God. Where Jesus goes, I go. And because of that, where I go, he goes. Lord Jesus, what a precious, triumphant truth this is. And we worship you and serve you forever, knowing that we fail to have proper words of worship and adoration to exclaim how good the good news truly is. Precious King, this is unto you.
0: Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns, cheering you on as Christ cultivates his set-apart life within you.